We are two people who have experienced grief in our lives and are fascinated about life after death, or rather, life after life. So in this podcast, we will have conversations about personal experiences with loss, grief, and unexplained spiritual encounters. We intend to bring hope and wonder to free your soul if you allow it. Whether it's a dream, a visit, a vision, or a newfound life after loss, we believe life and love never dies. This is Surviving Death and Dying with Trisha and Misty. Welcome to another episode. Are you or someone you know grieving right now? How would you know if you are grieving? Today, we want to talk about the definition of grief. What is grief and what are some of the signs that you could be grieving? And Trisha, I kind of want to turn this on you because as we've learned, you don't feel like you've really grieved or faced you know, what you have lost with your dad. So it will be interesting as we go through these to think about our own lives and how we feel these stages of grief we all hear about kind of play into our own lives. Exactly. Because right? I, I mean, going through this when we went through and did our research, I mean, yeah, I've went through some, but I don't think I've gone through all stages yet. And it's been two years now. So, right. And they, I mean, they say some people don't go through some of the stages. Everyone's different. There's different times, but it would be interesting to actually look at what these are and try to see if you can identify within yourself, if you recognize any of that, of what you went through. Right. Yes. Yes. Cause I know again, like when I lost my mom, I know I went through Pretty much all of them, I would say. It's just my dad right now that I can say. You're not I, sure. I'm not yeah. sure if I've gone through all of them. I would love to work through these. And hopefully by by the time this season's over, I have gotten a little bit further in my grieving process. So that would be amazing to see what happens then. Well, I want to say that we're going to push you through every stage. But... <laughs> They say not everyone experiences all of these stages and it's okay. And some people get hung up in some of them for months and some just skip some. So we're going to see, I mean, the first, we want to start with, you know, the, the first five stages of grief everyone talks about comes from Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. She wrote a book in 1969 and it was based on her experience with terminally ill patients. So it kind of cleared up a lot of, of things in my head. When you look at this, this was originally intended for people dealing with grief over their own terminal illness. People had then like kind of incorporated this into all kinds of grief and loss, but you found that there are seven stages of grief, right? That are also like more modern. Yeah, they're a more modern rendition of all the stages, adding a little bit more to it. Like you said, they are different for everybody. So you might even go through something that's not even on this list. Like everybody is different. So we can going to go through each stage from each. Yeah, from, from each of these sources. And, and I'm looking at a healthline.com that is listing the five stages uh, per the, the Ross model, the Kubler-Ross model. 
And uh, you also found a source that outlines, and there's several places that outline the seven um, stages of grief. And yes. the first one is denial, which I can completely understand remembering, you know, when I heard about my dad's plane crash, I, my first thought really was, I, I didn't want to believe this was real. And how can I make this not real? So that makes sense to me. And yeah. if it's, you know, if it's a job or an illness, absolutely. You, you, the first thing you want to think is, okay, I'm going to wake up in a minute. This is not going to be real. Yeah, or, it's all a dream. Right. right. Now. <laughs> or if it was a loss of a job, they're going to realize they made a mistake. They're going to call me tomorrow. That's right. denial. Right. Oh, my, my boyfriend, he's going to realize how much he misses me and we're going to get back together. That's yes. <laughs> denial. That's very typical for any kind of relationship, especially these days, because with all the social media outlets. Oh, he saw that he'll be fine the next day. He'll call me. Right. So that's definitely denial. Yeah. And so what do you find in the seven stages? The seven stages it's um, the first one is shock and denial. So they're adding one extra little part to that shock that you're like, what am I? You're in just in disbelief that is actually happening to you. That makes a lot of sense. And that goes with denial, but it's just adding that extra, like you're also feeling numb by the news. Yeah. Yeah. You're paralyzed. You're like, wait, this, this really happened. I no, they were, they were here with me just a minute ago. And then the next minute they're gone. And you're like, wait, and and you just start in shock and disbelief, basically. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So do you feel like you felt that shock and uh, denial when you lost your dad? I do I was more in I would say that I would think I was actually both disbelief and a shock because shock because it was a sudden loss to me right right and I'm like disbelief that it I'm like you go back and you're like my dad is actually gone no this can't be real just you're looking at your life going, what am I going to do? Right. It's just hard to, and and that makes so much more sense to me with the shock part. So what I think you should do next is you should read the second stage in the seven stages, because it actually is not even in the five stages. So what is stage number two? Stage number two is guilt and pain. Guilt is I mean, you're guilty. You feel guilt about losing something guilt. Like it was your fault. I will bring in the death of my dog on that end. I felt guilty because I know he was sick, but I felt guilt after the fact going, did I keep him too long? That guilt and that pain that you're feeling from that. I really, did I extend him to stay longer just for me is that, am I guilty of that? And now I'm feeling that pain from doing that. So I know I'm going through that stage with the loss of my, my dog right now. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And I, I can, I can see that. And that's a really good example. Cause I've had to put down a pet before also. And that, that guilt of number one, doing it even in knowing that you're doing the right thing, but then that weird feeling of guilt for hanging on to them too long too, when you knew they were in pain, you didn't want to let go. So I can completely identify with that. 
And I would think there are situations out there that people have gone through where whether someone else killed themselves or there was some kind of an accident, someone has felt some sort of guilt and pain of responsibility for that event, whether it it's valid or not. And that can be really serious. Some people at that point um, to try to cover up their pain and their guilt might turn to alcohol or substance abuse. And that could be very, very dangerous. And the right. best thing anyone can do for someone like that is be a source of comfort and support to them, yeah. making sure that they're not alone, but that wouldn't be something you would feel responsible for. You didn't feel guilt or pain with the loss of your dad. Did you, I mean, that kind of the way they're talking about guilt or pain for me, I'm not a no, not with my dad. His had to do with a sudden, All right? It's a health issue that yeah, there's nothing I could not, have done. Right. That's, that's not that's your fault. My, that's not in my realm of things to do. The only right. person that can do that is our, our Lord who can is responsible to take us when it's time. Right. And that wasn't my decision. That was his. Right. So that makes sense. And so now I want to go to the second stage in the five stages by the Kubler Ross model. And that is anger, which does make sense because some people, if it's an illness, you get mad that you have it. In my case, I remember going into my dad's hangar from his plane and just yelling at him and crying. And so, you know, that I think was an example of, of anger. So that makes sense to me of feeling, you know, rage that you couldn't control it. You just know that there's got to be a cause or someone to be mad at for some reason. You're redirecting your anger towards somebody else that right something that you had no control over. What is number three? It's anger and bargaining. So bargaining, I've seen this happen where um, a parent lost a child. They would bargain with with god or or even family members why why my child why not me if it had to do with a accident or illness any of that they still bargain with god saying you could have taken me he had so much more life to live when you're in that stage you're angry and you want to blame somebody and that with blaming somebody you're trying to bargain and try to find a way to work through it even though it's not the greatest behavior to have during this part, because the what if and all that kind of stuff, it's, you can't, you can't do right. that yourself. And it's interesting because Kubler-Ross's model also had bargaining and that was her stage number three. And for the same description you were giving, that's not uncommon for someone of a religious nature, like you're saying to then maybe try to promise God, you know, if you fix this, if you heal my you know, brother, I promise to do whatever. It's just, it's interesting to me that in this more modernized version, they've kind of grouped together the anger and the bargaining that that is interesting because out of that anger, you are, you know, trying to bargain. So that's, that's kind of interesting to me. Yeah. So let's look at stage number four with the Kubler-Ross model talks about depression and this is what they say becomes the more quieter stage of grief. Yes. You know, and in, in the earlier stages, you're going through all these emotions and you're trying to stay ahead of things or maybe try to fix things or you're angry or you're trying to negotiate in your head. 
But um, what she describes in the depression is more just like now everything is really hitting you and you feel stuck. You can't seem to move past the stage or you definitely feel maybe a heavy weight. You feel confused, foggy. It can be overwhelming. And in stage four on your list, what does it say? It's depression, reflection, and loneliness. With depression, it's just like you were saying, it's when you're feeling, it's again, it's a loneliness. Depression makes you feel alone. You don't want to talk to anybody. You just want to be with yourself. You don't know how to work. You feel like you don't know how to work through this. You have nobody. Because I know I felt like this when I lost my first parent, which was my mom. I know I had somebody there, but I didn't want to depend on them. So I was going through this by myself, I felt, which made me go into a depression. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it takes a while to work through that depression stage. At least for me, it did. With this stage, you do should seek out some help because you don't want to do this part alone because this can lead to unhealthy. It's just, it's not a good thing for yourself. You can get sick from being depressed. It's true. There's a lot of physical, some people don't realize that the, when you're going through grief and if you can't tend to the, to yourself and your feelings, that it, it can be bad physically on your health. And that's something to look out for. Absolutely. But I would also like to talk about that reflection. Even in that stage with depression and loneliness, you also do go back and you reflect during that time on that time that you had with that person, that job that so sometimes that will also that reflection part of it will put you in that depression. as right. As well as also can be put and make it you feel better. So depending on the situation and how you react to your depression and the reflections that you're going through, this can help you or it can hurt you. I mean, reflections is a is a great thing to go through. And that part, I know with my therapist, that was one of the big things that we did talk about. We would reflect on different things that I was going through and what I reflections of all my stages as well as within my past with my um, relationship with my mom, we I would reflect on my relationship with my mom in my past and how I felt with her about everything that helped me go get to a better place. Right. So if I didn't go through that stage, who knows where I might be right now. So do you think that one of the things you haven't done with your loss of your dad is more reflection. That could be because I have not gone through this stage. I would say this whole part of depression, reflection, loneliness, because of, like I was said in my, the previous episode, I was going through so much at that time that I didn't have time to be depressed or lonely or reflect on anything. So I would say that this yes is something I need to work on as far as grieving my dad, as far as the reflections. I know some things that my one therapist did have me do for my mom is write down everything good and bad and reflected on it and just like basically made a story of what happened and how to work through it. And I think that's what I need to do with with, um, my dad. And I know I know I will get there like with this podcast, I will. And with your help. Yes, you will. We will 
pull through. I have a great family and great friend to help me through this. So I know I need to turn to them more, I think, instead of saying, I'm fine, I'm nothing wrong with me, but I need to do that sooner than later, I would say for me. Right, right. No, but that's, that's interesting. Cause I, I know it's been a while, you know, with the loss of my dad, but I, I can't identify a spot where I felt depressed or stuck in reflection or loneliness. Cause I was in the early stages of my career. I was in my young twenties. So I think I just, I, I had distraction. I moved forward. I kept busy. That's just what I did, but I, I probably did hit some kind of, you know, depression and reflection and loneliness. And at the same time, they also say not everyone goes through these stages and they don't go at them in in this order. They don't stay in them at the same time. They're all unique to someone's situation and what the cause of that loss was. Exactly. Because somebody who might have a terminal illness might go something different, something different than somebody who just lost a loved one, right? Or a loss of a job, there's so many different ways to go through it. And you might not even need to go through it on those ends for those things. Right. And so with the Kubler Ross model, there's only one more stage where the new modern model has three more stages. And I actually think I will hold off then on saying what the last stages in the Kubler-Ross because that matches up more with the seventh last stage of the newer models. So what has happened is they've added a couple here. Yes. (laughs) After stage four, stage five, you agree with this one? Yeah, I do. Uh, The upward turn, because when you're feeling all of those different feelings that we went over, the pain, the guilt, the anger, all of that's after you're reflecting on everything, slowly comes off you and you improve, you feel better. And that's what the upward turn is. You're starting to feel better through doing all this, through the, all these emotions in your life, even though you're still dealing with that loss, you're still starting to see that turn. I hear, I have to just say to everyone, I hear your dogging. Yeah. Cause I'm not going to try to cut that out. he has to move around and be noisy that's good he keeps you comfortable and helps you with your upward term (laughs) yes he does I mean if I didn't have my doggies I yeah but this is this is a good sign I would think and before I always thought of a lot of the stages having to do more with negative so it's neat to see that this has a stage that is actually a positive type of a stage where you're you're feeling i guess it's not as difficult to manage these symptoms that are associated with it so it's it's feeling a little bit lighter and hopeful there's some kind of measure of peace that's related to that loss it's a good step that you're you're coping better there's hope there's hope in that when you get to this this stage the upward turn hope that things will turn out great and you'll start like what number six is that reconstruction and working through everything Hmm. those emotions start you start to work through those a little bit better the process you feel less scattered because you're you might be going thinking of one thing here and feeling sick over here and you're like I don't know how to what am I doing this way when you're starting to get to this stage you can actually go I'm getting through this I might still have that that feeling but I'm working through this I'm not alone I have my friends my family my therapist or whoever it is that you seek that help through you can 
start seeing the light at that end of the tunnel. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to describe it because I'm pretty sure, and there's not a stage listed. And one of the things I remember is a I remember like a blur of time that I'm not sure what happened. <laughs> right. So maybe that was some of the depression or one of the earlier stages, but definitely when I was able to focus on life and move forward and see that I can live because, you know, there's, and now this is bringing me back to thoughts of guilt that I remember having. I remember feeling guilty to laugh and enjoy life while my dad was gone. Did you ever experience anything like that with any of like your, either of your parents? Yeah. Um, I do feel that, that a little bit because I'd be sitting here. It was near the beginning. I would say when my dad lost my dad sitting here, watching the games by myself and going, I shouldn't be sitting here watching this game and enjoying myself. My dad and I used to watch this together and cheer and laugh and go, what was that call? You know? Right. So yeah, I see that. I, I know that at the beginning. Now I, I, since I've worked through that part a little bit, I watch the game with excitement now because I know that he's watching that game at the same time as I am. Right. He's I'm on yelling at the screen, going the same thing as I'm probably singing. So yeah, working through that, that part and knowing your future. Yeah. And that you can focus on yourself more, your own physical health and your own wellness and what you're doing and put your focus back on life. And that's what made me think about it is how when they talk about reconstruction and working through that you're you're able to see a possibility of your life again. That's what reminded me of the time that I felt like I couldn't look at my own future and I couldn't look ahead and I couldn't laugh and why and how I did feel guilty. So now it's all of a sudden for me bringing a lot of emotions I didn't have when we were talking about this two stages ago. You know, I think that's another just example that time can heal because for me, it's been so long. And even though that doesn't take away the pain for someone who is just lost someone now, that never helps to hear that. I can say being down the road and on this side of it, that it is true. You know, the time just makes it less painful. And so that helps bring us to Kubler-Ross's stage five of acceptance. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you are happy with the result or where something went. It just means that you are accepting the fact that something in your life has changed and this is the way it's going to be. And you are still going to have to move forward. And that I think lines up with stage seven in the list that you're looking at, right? Yeah. Stage seven is um, acceptance and hope. Like what I was talking about in the stage six, the reconstruction and working through it because acceptance and hope at this stage, you're accepting that you did lose this person that you did lose this job, you did lose whatever it is that you did lose. It's not the end. There's hope for a new future. New job is down that corner. That means there's a better new job for you down that in that road. Right, right. And you have to accept that, you know what, it's gonna, there's gonna be like this in your whole life, you're gonna be going through the ups and downs of life losses throughout your whole life and trying to accept it is one of the greatest feelings you can get is that acceptance. And that hope because of that, I, I was excited when I was able to see that there was something after my mom did pass, I was excited that 
I know she's there. Right. We have so many memories that I can even look back on and just smile and be happy that I had. a. It was an amazing time that I had when she was here on, on earth. Right. And I was it's a different, that. it's a different, that's one of the things that I think you and I like about this topic is, and I've heard someone say it as those of us who do believe that our spirits go on and that our loved ones are still alive somewhere in some way we just feel like our relationship with them has changed. Cause I, I feel in some strange way, my dad has still been part of my life. I still talk to him. I still, when there are things that we do that I get excited about that I knew he would enjoy, I think about him and I say something to him. And so in the way that you're saying, it's almost like this transference of acceptance that this is the new relationship now that I have with this loved one that I believe I will see again, but I believe they're still part of my life now. And it's a a great place to get to when it, when it comes to other types of grief, it might even be knowing that, oh, thank goodness I lost that job because now I have this new job (laughs) that I wouldn't have had. So that's a whole different kind of you know, and now I'm going to catch up on my bills and now I'm going to, you know, right. make up all the debt that I had. And, and there's, you know, different ways to look at that. But, you know, one of the things that, that you're, you're pointing out too, is just that people should try to be self-aware. You know, if you think you are hurting so badly that you are having maybe bad thoughts about your own life that you can't pull out of, reach out to someone, there are resources out there and whether it's a friend or a family member picking up the phone, getting help. There's a lot of video and telemedicine type stuff available now, especially after 2020, where you, it's more accessible to get somebody to talk to you in mental health, especially after 2020. I know that there is a, a lot more support in that area. So, you know, anybody listening to this knows or is thinking of someone they think is um, really going deep into grief where they need help pulling out. It's okay to go through grief and it's natural, but there's also a point where you, you do need to keep moving on to some of these other stages that bring in the hope and the acceptance and the moving forward, being able to enjoy your own life and not feel guilty. Exactly. I mean, if I didn't have my friends through that first one, even though I did, like I said, did feel alone and by myself during when I lost my mom, I knew I had them there, but I didn't want to know I had them there. And one of my friends is the one that helped push me towards getting help. It took me um, a while to get to that point and accept that I needed that help. So not only do you have to accept that loss, you have to accept that you need that help. It's right. nothing to be ashamed of right. at all. I know some of us don't like to admit that we've gone to a therapist, but to be honest with you, there's no shame. None at all. And actually after living in California, it's like, it's, you know, everybody has a therapist. I know. Yeah. It's like, just like you have someone that cuts your hair, you have a therapist. And it's funny to hear people, especially people native to California, they do just throw it out there. They, they could barely know you. And I'm like, Oh, my therapist said, you know, they don't even think anything of it. And I think, I think that's actually really healthy. (laughs) I think it's very good. And you know, a lot of what we're seeing right now as we've been recording these has been a lot of, you know, even gun violence. And and I 
always think the first thing in my head is that these people are experiencing some kind of grief that they don't know how to deal with. And this is how they're lashing out. And, you know, we were all locked up for a year and we don't know how to get back to normal. We want to get back to normal and everybody. It's a scary world, but it is, it's a scary world. We got to get out there. We got to move past all the horrible things that happened last year. And it's possible for everyone. It's not too late for anyone, no matter what happened. And if anybody listening has certain topics, they would love for us to talk about, or if you have a story you want to share on our podcast, please look at our email address down below, Trisha mistytm at gmail.com. There's some dots in there. Just check it out. Send us an email. We would love to either share your story or even have you on a podcast or even show you in the right direction. If you need help, we can point you in that right direction. Yeah. We're going to pull from therapists and counselors that are in our area to invite them on the show. Not just here in California where we are um, recording this. It's We have connections throughout the United States that can help you especially these days, even like she said, there's telemedicine. And that's actually a good point because I I know of a place here in LA that has gone to Zoom sessions. So before I actually say their name, I should probably run it by them. In fact, I think we're going to have someone who deals with grief and counseling and runs a support group I'll, I'll have on our show. And we'll definitely get some resources in our future podcasts. And we just want to make sure that everyone listening knows they're not alone So Trisha, we just survived another episode of Surviving Death and Dying. Why is that, Trisha? Because we believe life and love never dies. Thanks for listening. Until next time. That's right. It's never goodbye. It's see you next time.